Thank you for clicking on Pulse of the Fan Podcast. My name is Tim Donnelly, and before we welcome on Captain Defense and start talking Baltimore Ravens, I want to remind everybody to do three things for us here at Pulse of the Fan. First of all, subscribe on iTunes. Go to iTunes, search Pulse of the Fan, hit that subscribe button, then rate it, give us five stars, again, assuming we deserve it, and review it. Leave a review there about what you think about the podcast. We're always checking, and we really would appreciate it. So again, subscribe review and rate all on iTunes. Now it's time to talk Ravens. Let's bring on Captain Defense. All right, welcome into Pulse of the Fan. My name is Tim Donnelly, and today we are talking everything Baltimore Ravens. Uh, We're talking Joe Flacco. We're talking John Harbaugh. We're talking everything in between, and we're doing so with Captain Defense, who might be the quintessential Ravens fan. He dresses up. He, uh, he represents uh, Ravens Nation, and we're happy to have him on. Uh, how's it going, Captain? Oh, it's doing great. I'm just getting ready for the, getting ready for the upcoming season. This is the slow part of the season, of course. It, it is. The offseason is a little slow, and that's kind of why we're doing this, to get the, the feel of each, each fan base going into the season. Uh, but before we start talking Ravens, uh, I do want to talk a little bit about uh, your fandom. We want to get your fan resume um, you can f- find you on Twitter at, at @dcapt. That's D E E C A P T. Do you want to give you that shout out? Um, but what is your fan resume? How long have you been a Ravens fan? Why did you become a Ravens fan? And how did you you earn your super fan tag? Well, what happened is, you know, when the Ravens first came here in 1996, I used to be a, you know, I used to go to the stadium. I had a big cardboard sign with defense on it, and I had a pair of army army camouflage pants. So I'm walking around the section. It's probably the first or second game in 1996. And I'm walking around the section with my sign on. This girl, she's about eight years old. He says, hey, mister, are you like the captain of the defense? And at that time, I wasn't looking for a name. Didn't really thought about it. But I like the sound of captain defense. So what I did, before the next home game, I scared off the Walmart and bought some of them white iron on letters and on captain defense on the back. And for some reason, I wanted to hyphenate the DE in the fence. And then I showed up for the next game, and people asked me, uh, what's Captain Defense all about it? What's Captain Defense all about? And so I explained to them I like defense. And so Captain Defense kind of took off, and the rest is history. Okay, so so you have kind of a, a different relationship with the team than maybe a normal fan because you are so recognizable. Um, over the years, uh-huh. have you gotten to interact with any of the players, or do you have any players um, that maybe are some, some favorites of yours? Yeah, I, I – um, yeah. There's a lot of players, you know, that I talk to, but but one thing I've learned being a fan that the players come and go, but the fans remain the constant. You know, obviously Ray Lewis and Ed Reed, I've interacted with them, and I've you know, I've talked to a couple of other players, but but basically I think I look at myself as I'm the representative of the fans. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, like I said, I've seen Ray Lewis every game he's played, and uh, I remember one story when they uh, when we had tickets at the old stadium. Uh, this was before the season started. They had a day where you could pick the seats out, and all the players were lined up around the field. But just what happened, I didn't know much about Ray Lewis, and this, you know, this was before the internet. Yeah. And he was standing, you know, he was standing in front of my section. So I saw him, and I went up and asked him. I says, "Are you any good?" He says, "I can hold my own." <laughs> a little so, bit so that becomes the understatement of the year. Every time yeah. I see him, I say, "I guess that was a little bit of an understatement." I guess that's about. <laughs> but I didn't know much about him. But that was pretty funny. Uh, absolutely. Um, well, let, let's transition to uh, it's kind of on the field stuff. 
Um, when I think of the Ravens, I think of a team with a strong history. You have the two Super Bowls, uh, like you said, have only been there since 96. So they've quickly jumped into the, the higher echelon of, of NFL teams. Um, but then you look at outside of Harbaugh and Flacco, there's not much of a connection as far as on-the-field players. As you mentioned, players uh, come and go. Um, to the leaders of those previous Super Bowl championship teams, what do you see for this team this year going into the season? Well, I, I didn't really think about it, but a fan put on my Facebook page way back in April. And he says, Cap D, I think we need to go back to our roots. And obviously by the draft, our, our first four players was defense. So it looked like, it seems to me as we going back, you know, we got one of the best field goal kickers in the league. And it looks like we're going to game, we're going to win games fourteen to ten, six to three because we have Tucker. And it looks like we're going to play defense. And to me, that's that's the way it looks to me. We're going back to our roots of playing good defense. Maybe it's intentional, maybe it's not, but it looks like that's me. Well, you you brought up the draft. Let, let's talk draft. Um, first four picks in the first three rounds. You said it all defense. Uh, going back to your roots is one thing. Obviously, every Ravens team is built from the defense to the offense. But right. Looking at the last couple of years, doesn't the offense need help too? Yes, uh, yes, the offense need help. First thing, you know, we we had a, a a good receiving core, but we need a you know we we need to find a, a a true number one receiver. Wallace is okay, and he played pretty good, but towards the end of the season, he kind of faded out. And then Pitta coming back from injury, I think Pitta averaged 8.7 yards per catch. In other words, wherever Pitta kept the ball, he got tackled. And then Perriman has injury problems. But this is an important season for Perriman. This is the season either you are or you're not. So this is very important. But you're not going to find a true number one out on the free agent market now. So, 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 so you, been, you don't go wide receiver in the draft. Did you, did you maybe – uh, want them to, to take a chance to get Flacco a, a number one guy? Yes, I, I was thinking I was thinking that Mike Williams, but I was shocked that Williams, Corey Davis, and John Ross went in the top ten. So when I saw that, basically I was saying that okay, that there's not going to be a there's not going to be a true number one receiver. I wasn't a, a Ross fan. My choice was either Corey Davis or Mike Williams because I like my receivers big. And, and tall like Mike Williams, so I wasn't a Ross fan. But when I saw when I saw them in the top ten, I figured that we weren't going to find a, a true number one receiver in the draft. Who is? And, go go ahead, go ahead, finish your thought. And then when they drafted Humphrey, he can You know, I follow the mock draft, but when they said Humphrey, I'm saying who? Because I didn't see him coming. I did not see. Marlon Humphrey coming. I didn't see a quarterback. I thought maybe we'd go outside linebacker or you know or, or one of the top pass rushers in the draft. So Talk, that's how that worked out. Talking going back to your roots, the Ravens are always the defense are always kind of built inside out. When you think of the Sam Adams, the Haloti Nadas in the middle, the middle linebacker obviously Ray Lewis, the safety position in the, right. of the field. Um, Marlon Humphrey being an edge rusher, uh, it, it is a little or excuse me, not an edge rusher, but an edge player out there. Quarterback. It is a, a little bit of a, a, a kind of a stray from your roots, although it is still on the defensive side of the ball, correct? Yes, but it looks like I've learned a long time ago. All kids, you got Peyton Manning or Tom Brady. You press the quarterback, get them off the spot, your chances are better. So it looks like we're going to be bringing the heat and the pass rush, and the guys in the secondary might should be able to hold their own because we lost about 10 games about, about three points. We were in every game we played, but like I said, we gave up the big play and obviously the steal a game 
that last play, Ben Roethlisberger pretty pretty much moved the ball downfield. So it looks like we're going to pressure the quarterback first, and then we got a pretty good secondary with Jeff with Jeff Jefferson and Weddle in the back. We should be okay on the defense on the defensive side. Put pressure with uh, Bowser and uh, Williams, Tim Williams out of Alabama. So we're going to be bringing the heat, I think. And, and like I said, we're going to get a lot of close games. So you're in those close games in your division. You have to mention, and, and I don't know how, how you feel about these guys. I have a pretty good idea. Uh, but you brought up Big Ben and the Steelers. Um, right. Ben, Brown, Bell. Is it even more important to have that elite defense that the Ravens are used to having to neutralize an offense like the Steelers? Yes, because, for instance, who, uh, uh, Green for the Bengals is a Raven killer. He's killed us. I've seen so many games where he's killed us. And we got we to gotta, um, you know, stop Antonio Brown. Because the last game of the season, the last play of the game, they beat us. And I sit there before the last play. I said, "There's only two guys. There's only two guys on that field. Ben trusts. He trusts Antonio Brown or Bell. He's not going to throw it to Jesse James. He's going to throw one of them two players, and he hit the Antonio Brown. So we need a secondary to compete with those guys. And I don't know who the Cleveland Browns bringing in, but Antonio Brown and uh, Green are the guys that we need to deal with. Especially Green. He, he's killed us in so many games." Uh, well, well, there it is right there. In your division, you have some stud offenses. You guys can be the, the defensive bullies on the block, as you have been in right. the past. Um, do you think it's more difficult to be the the enforcers, the, the hard-nosed physical teams like you have been in the past with all of the, the rule changes that keep making it easier and easier for players like Antonio Brown to get off jams and, and to, to have free releases? Yeah, this is this is a uh, you're right on that point. This is an offensive league. They want to see points on the board. But here in Baltimore, we like the defense. But yes, it's going to be harder. But one of the Humphrey strip is he he plays uh you know he plays a cover. He gets up on receiving. He gets physical. Now of course he's uh I think he's getting up 15 yards per reception downfield. I think downfield was his problem. But I think DPs are get with him. I think he's going to be tough. And we got Jimmy Smith. Jimmy Smith's problem is availability is the key. Jimmy Smith is physical. When he's not out there, it's a big difference. But unfortunately, we got Weddle, especially Jefferson, are uh, be okay in the secondary. But yes, I think I think we're going to be okay on the defense. And I think we got two physical corner, and we got Tavon Young. He's he's a nickel corner. He can play the slot receiver. So I think we're going to be getting a lot physical. We might get a couple of penalties, but oh well. You got to get physical with Antonio Brown and Green. You can't. Those guys get a. a, a a quick release, you might as well say goodbye, especially Green. Who is the leader of, of that defense? For for decades in Baltimore, if a young player had a question, they had three or four legends they could go ask right. and, get, and get a real answer. Who is kind of the, the driving force, maybe not uh, the best player, but the, the emotional leader of, of that defense? It's Weddle. It's Weddle. Because when, when, yes, when Weddle came in, Ware kind of conceded that to Weddle. Mm-hmm. And what happened is, what makes Weddle so good? He, he's like Ray Lewis in his later career. Weddle is a student of the game. Not so much physical ability like Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis studied the game because he was a lot slower, but he was in the right position. Weddle is that same type of guy, and he has the respect that he can line people up and say, okay, guys, because Weddle studies the game. So he's the leader of the defense. Mosley, uh, uh, Mosley, uh, so he's a he's a tough guy, and I think Mosley will grow into it. But right now, if you ask me, what is the leader of the defense? Suggs is still there, but you know Suggs is on the downside of his career, and I don't know if Suggs is going to play uh, 
uh, poor announce, but Reynolds, to me, is the unquestionable leader of the defense. Suggs, Suggs is an interesting case because it seems like the Ravens as a team and, and as a fan base probably enjoy this. Um, they take care of their of their legends. You, you don't see uh, Ray Lewis going to, to finish his career somewhere else. Trail Suggs, you're going to see him finish his career a, as a Raven. What does it mean for you that you're not, you know, the the, um, the Patriots where as soon as they start declining a little bit, you ship them out of town? Right. Well, it's, it's nice to, to it's nice to, to see the guys stay here. But the NFL is about what have you do for me lately? And that you know, I got a I got a pretty large following on on Facebook and my personal page and my fan page. But when I t- I learned a long time ago, players are like stock. You can't fall in love with them. And there's some great locker room guys, great community guys. But it was time for them to go. And uh, it's it's the testament to Suggs that he's still here and Ray's still here. But I, I tell people the NFL is like, you know, you can't fall in love with them. You spend money on the jerseys and they're gone. But it's it's a testament to those guys, Suggs and, and Ray Lewis, and the, the stay here for their whole career. So I, and I think it's important, and I think it says a lot about them. So how long is it till a guy like, like Mosley has to step up and, and wear that title? Weddle is uh, the leader of the defense, but – He's not a spring chicken. He's a, he's an older guy. Mosley or or someone else, maybe it's Humphrey. Who knows who's going to step up and be the leader of the Ravens? How much time until Mosley has to step up? But you have to have the personality. Okay. You you, you can't you, you have to have the personality and because uh, when CJ you know CJ uh, I think last year before last year I think he said he was going to be the leader. You know, he's going to step up and take a leadership role. But leaders don't announce it. They just go out and do it. And some people, it's not in their personality. It doesn't mean like Jimmy Smith. Jimmy Smith is okay being Jimmy Smith. And if you want to be an example, follow me on the field. But there's not, you know, I don't think that's CJ's personality. He's a great guy. I'm glad we got him. But that might, that might be something that he's not comfortable with. But he might lead in his own way. All leaders aren't like Ray Lewis. But he might just, one of them guys, just follow me and, and, and do what I do. Uh, and that, that is an interesting point. Um, do you think Ravens fans were spoiled by Ray Lewis and having such a, an obvious, tremendous vocal leader who, who would do the, you know, the speeches and get everybody pumped up and would do the dance, and now players and fans alike have to get used to maybe a, a quieter leadership style? Right. Yes, I, I think I think we have got you have Ray Lewis here. Obviously, was spoiled because Ray Lewis. Like I said, I, I've seen Ray Lewis grow from a 22 year old into the Wally veteran. But Ray Lewis made himself into where he is because Ray Lewis outworked everybody, and Ray Lewis could get in and get in anybody's face because he could. You can't be a leader and get in trouble off the field, you know, all the time. You know, everybody makes mistakes. But yeah, we got kind of spoiled with Ray Lewis, but. Uh, but but life is about moving on. You know, we can't look back. Ray Lewis is not here. Ed Reed's not here. Let's move on. As long as we continue to win in games, everything else, everything else will take care of itself. And I think that but yeah, we got four. I think that is the expectation for the Ravens is to win games. I mean, they, you know, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Every one of your best players are legends because they have Super Bowl rings. The past couple of seasons, right. have they been have they been living up to to your your expectations and the fan base's expectations? What, well, no, we, we haven't because the expectations here, unlike I talk to fans around the country, a fan called me from another team, OTAs hadn't started, and he already told me they're not going to the Super Bowl. 
Now, I, I can't fathom as a fan. Now, can you fathom that the haven't started and you already know your fans, your team's not going to the Super Bowl? Uh, my expectations here is for us to go to the playoffs. That's what my expectations is. You know, I'm realistic that it's going to be tough. You know, we win 10 We got spoiled here, but the expectations remain the same. And I think this is a critical year for John Harbaugh and Ozzy because I think the owner, Steve Bichardi, is, is kind of getting impatient. Because um, Harbaugh kept Monty running with, which I was a big fan. So I think Machado probably says, okay, if you want to go down, then you go down with your guy. But I think this is a critical year for, for, the, for the GM and the coach, in my personal opinion. What is the, the one thing that needs to happen for that success to be reached? Do you think there is a, a key component to this season, a key player that needs to step up, something that needs to happen for you guys to end up in the playoffs? Well, what happens is uh, uh, Flacco threw for 4,000 yards for the first for the first time. Flacco needs to play better. The whole line, it, it, to me, it, it falls on the offense. I think the defense, we was ranked, what, ninth last year? Who, who has the defense kept us in any game? But a lot of times we was on the field. But to me, the offensive line is going to have to step up, and we need to have a running game. Because, you know, we, we, we you know if Wallace, if Wallace can do the same thing he did the first part of the season, but for some reason, I don't know what it was, he he uh, he faded out. But the offensive line is going to be key, and we need to run the ball. If we can run the ball, if Blackwell has time to, you know, throw some passes and and, and run some deep routes, some nine routes, slant routes, or whatever, I think we'll be okay. But the key is Blackwell's got to have time, and we have to be able to run the ball. We need to run for, you know, one 115, 120. For a game, you know, between two running backs, but we we need to run the ball, and Blackwell needs time. I look at your roster, and I think the same thing. I th- I think you need to have a running game. Looking at the Ravens, the style of play they want to play, you need a running game. And, and then I look at your roster, and I see Terrence West, Danny Woodhead, uh, Talia Farrow, Dixon. Do those guys excite you? Do those guys make you think you know 150, 175 yards a game is a possibility? No, what I think is if we can get 120 yards a game out of both of them, Dixon is suspended for four games. I don't even get to start on that. Dixon is suspended for four games. Uh, Tyler Farrell is coming off an injury. Yeah, he has potential, but he's an injury. My question is if we can get 115 to 120 20 yards a game from our rushing game, I think we'll be okay with, with our defense. If Flacco throws for two, Flacco's not a stat guy. If Flacco throws for 250 yards, you know, maybe one pick, we can give up one pick. Maybe, okay, Flacco get 250, we rush for 120, 130. I think we'd be okay with our defense. I'm pinning a lot on our defense to keep us in most games. Let's talk Joe Flacco because it's almost become a like an internet, I don't want to call it a joke, but an internet running game. Right, you're, you're not telling me. <laughs> is Joe Flacco elite? Where does he stand in the the, the hierarchy of quarterbacks in the NFL? My question is this: Is Matt Ryan elite? If 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 elite is stats, Joe is not elite. But I'll take Joe's ten playoff wins over Matt Ryan's playoff record any time. So if you want to say Matt Ryan's elite as a fan, you can take Matt Ryan. My goal is: How many times you get? To, do you have, do I have a chance to get in the playoffs with my quarterback? And Joe has proven that he can get us to the playoffs. Now, if you want. If you want stats, fantasy stats, because in the because the the league is about fantasy stats. Everything is about fantasy. Joe will not throw for five thousand yards. He he's just not his way. But as a fan, give me a playoffs. Mm-hmm. 
Does so, he, so I don't know where we're living. Huh? Does he cost too much? Does your cost too much? Yeah, he's getting a lot of money. Well, what's the what's the going market for a quarterback? If you didn't get Joe twenty four million, fans come to me and say, Cam D, he don't work twenty four million. Well, well, what's the other option? See, I don't like fans who come to me and say, we need to get rid of him. Okay, give me some suggestions. If we didn't sign Joe, Joe got market value for quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Billy got eighteen million Chicago. He worth eighteen. I don't know if he is or not, but Joe got market value for quarterback. And what option do we have? No, I, I thought he was not. I agree. Yeah, it's not what they deserve. It. You can have a painting on the wall. That painting is terrible. But the market said that painting is worth $2 million. That's just the way it is. You know, and, uh, and uh, uh, Andy Luck or Cousins might break the bank. I don't know. Uh, you know, are they worth it? But yes, Joe just got market value. Is anybody worth $24, $25 million in my estimation? No. But I, I, I follow the NFL to know that they got market value. That's what the market dictates. Not what, not what they're worth. Not any touchdowns. The market says, a starting quarterback who's coming up the MVP year, $24 million. But eventually his salary is going to have to go down, eventually. We can't carry that for the next couple of years. I think a couple of years, his salary is going to, they're going to have to bring his salary down, I think. They're going to have to. So. We're going to take a quick break here from talking with Captain Defense about the Baltimore Ravens and Ray Lewis and Joe Flacco and everything that comes along with it to let you know about an awesome deal we have set up with Audible.com. Audible.com is the number one online audiobook subscription service. So if you have a long commute and you're listening to some audiobooks, or you're out walking the dog and you need something to listen to, this is the place to do it. It's audibletrial.com slash pulse. If you go to audibletrial.com slash pulse, P-U-L-S-E, they've set up a deal for us where you get a 30-day free trial, a free audiobook download. If I were you, I would suggest it's a book called The Last Headbangers, NFL Football in the Rowdy Reckless 70s, the era that created modern sports. And you've heard me and, uh, me and Doctor, or excuse me, Captain Defense talking about it. The NFL isn't how it used to be. So if you're longing for, nostalgic for that old-time football, check it out. The Last Headbangers, NFL Football in the Rowdy Reckless 70s. It's available on audibletrial.com slash pulse. Hit that 30-day free trial, courtesy of us here at Pulse of the Fan. Back to the podcast. Have the Ravens put enough help around him to take advantage of the things that he brings to the table? You mentioned the, the nine ball. He likes to throw the go route. Um, until Mike Wallace got here, you had Torrey Smith. Have they have they done, have they done enough to to allow him to be successful while paying him all that money? Well, Joe has not had a true number one. Exactly. He, he, he has never had a true number one. And Ozzy, have, have, have you ever noticed Ozzy has yet to draft a Pro Bowl receiver? Did you know that? I did not, but thinking. I'm trying to get like get one on you. I'm trying to think of who it would be, but I can't think of any. Ozzie has yet to, we have yet to have a pro bowl receiver that we drafted. That is Ozzie. That's a standard. Ozzie has yet to draft a pro bowl receiver. He's never. So how do you fix that? Is it, is it locked? I mean... I don't know. What, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out what it is. I mean, we drafted a, you know, like you know, Ozzy drafted Ray Lewis. He was pick number 26. He drafted Ray Lewis. He drafted Ty Heath. But for some reason, I don't know what the deal is. We have yet to draft a and develop a Pro Bowl wide receiver. We drafted Carmen, but you know, still in Carmen, he's got injured. And this is a and Carmen. This is a proof. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, he might be the guy to, to be a true number one today. 
Florida was at number one, but San Francisco, Torrey was number two, but San Francisco 49ers paid Torrey as a number one. Torrey was okay. He could stretch the field. But, the, you know, the goal robbers by all, he was good. But we, we, he, he had yet to have an elite receiver around him. Antoine Bowen is a possession guy. Throw the ball and double, double cover to Antoine to catch it. But he, we have yet to have a and develop a pro bowl route receiver. He has yet to have a true number one. He's drafted receiver. Yeah, I'm thinking. I'm thinking back like Mark Clayton and, and a few of those type. They they never really materialized into anything uh, after being drafted by nope. Baltimore. That's a nope. We drafted. We drafted Travis Taylor number ten. He didn't pan out. We drafted Mark Clayton. He never panned out. You know, we just dressed and, and we draft receivers in the second or third round. But none of us really panned out where they made the pullback. And we've had receivers from other teams. For some reason, that's obviously, the nation knows that. That's obviously, Achilles Hill is the drafting a true wide receiver that we can develop. But no, he, he, you know, Joe hasn't had the weapons that he needed. And some uh, Joe, Joe is the type of person he needs help. Joe, Joe can't carry a team. He needs some help. He needs people around him to make him better. If he got a number one, if you gave Joe, um, you know, the, the, the usual suspects, the, the Julio Jones, the Odell Beckhams, uh, the Calvin Johnson, if he had one of those, maybe he could be one of those fantasy quarterbacks you're talking about putting up crazy stats. Yeah, Joe, Joe's got a strong arm. Joe, Joe's got a cannon for an arm. He can throw the ball down the field. You know, he, he's a, you know, he's a, he's a, well, so he won't wire you with a bunch of stats, but Joe, Joe, Joe takes a couple of, a couple of throws down the field. He has like a Julio Jones or Green. I, I think it would make a big difference. In my personal opinion, I think it'd be a big difference because at the beginning of the season, like I said, Wallace, he was hitting Wallace on slap routes, and Wallace was going for a touchdown. And, uh, if, if I think if he had a receiver like that, a true number one, I think his stats would be a lot better, and I think I reckon it'd be a lot better. And and what's important is go ahead. Go ahead. No, what's important is they say the second season after you come up to ACL, so this is Joe's second season. So I'm looking for better things from him this year. Now that we've stumbled upon this kind of, uh, I I knew there was a wide receiver lack on this year's Ravens team. I I had not realized that it's been a kind of a, a position of issue for the last you know decade plus. Um, right. Does it? As a fan, does it upset you even more when you look at the rest of your division? I mean, we brought up Antonio Brown and A.J. Green. The Browns, even for a season or two, had Josh Gordon. You guys know what great receivers look like. You just haven't had them wearing right. purple and black. Right. But he's like, uh, well, Antonio, Antonio Brown, he's a six-round pick. Yeah. We drafted Paramount in college. Never been injured. All of a sudden, he comes in. He, he gets he gets injured, but but what happened is we we have we have come to the conclusion that if you look at the Ravens games, all our games are close. We have come to accept that mm-hmm. every game we play is close. So if we get a receiver, all well, but we still think we're going to play off. Whether we have a number two, number one, or not, and, and maybe maybe Wallace can step up since I think it's a contract year. Maybe he can step up and you know be a real a real number one. He's okay, and Wallace is okay, but. You know, he's not in the class of Antonio Brown and those type of guys. But we have come to the fact that our game's going to be close. That you know, our receivers won't be on ESPN highlights. We've we've come to that conclusion. At least I have. If you're going to play close games and and you're going to do what you what you said earlier and try to win games 15 to to 11 and and low scoring right. games, one of the best assets a team can have is a kicker. And you may have the best in the NFL in Justin Tucker. What does it mean knowing that? 
when the game's on the line, Joe just has to get him somewhere on the correct side of the, of the 50, and Tucker's going to be able to put it through. Well, Tucker is automatic. And uh, one, the thing I love about Tucker is he's having fun. You know how we got Tucker, right? You know how we got him? Uh, I know he, he came out of Texas. I don't know how you got him. He was a walk-on. Really? Yeah, Tucker was a walk-on. Wow. Well, so so, so he, you, you stumbled into one of the, the biggest weapons in the NFL. Who knew? I mean, if I was keep a draft, but what I'm saying is, like I said, Parker has won so many games for us. You know, so many games. Like, for instance, we played the Giants, right? Mm-hmm. Fourth and one, you know, we win the game. Fourth and one, Manning hits Beckham on a slant rod, he runs for the end zone. Yep. We won a game. The Jets. Almost the same thing. And then the Patriots. We win, we're close to handling the Patriots, and Brady throws a 74-yard touchdown. We were in the game. But like I said, Tucker keeps us in a lot of games. And all that games, because a lot of people realize we're the ninth-ranked defense. And for 10 weeks, we were number one defense. But people you know, people don't really see that. But a lot of times, the defense was on the field a lot. And we gave up key plays at the wrong time. But Stan on Beckham was, you know, the guy was in the wrong position. There was a communication problem. But, yes, to your point, Tucker is a blessing in scout. He's been a lot of games for us, and he's kept us in a lot of games. So, we're not going to have him. Is that a problem with, with one of your best players, if not your best player, being a $4.2 million a year kicker in that he can keep you in games, but when it, it comes down to prime time, crunch time, the Tom Brady's are making plays, the Odell Beckham's are making plays, and, and Tucker has to wait until the offense gets him into a position to make plays? <laughs> Yeah, it was frustrating last year, but it's an acknowledgement the second that I had to get better last year. And what do you know? Jimmy Smith was our best cover guy, but Jimmy Smith's problem is he can't, you know, stand on the As Raven fans have gotten used to depending on Tucker, we call him Jay Tuck. We've gotten used to Tucker. It would be nice if, you know, we, we win games 37. I told Meadow, I saw I Meadow, I saw him at the best. Well, if you come from San Diego putting up 37 points, it ain't happening here. It's just not a, it's just not a MO yet. You know, I realize, you know, really putting up 37, 35 points. All our games are going to be close. But, yes, if you got to run around Tucker, that's okay. But the defense has gotten better, and I'm more hopeful, especially picking up Jefferson, is the key. He's going to be the key. And uh, Jimmy Smith playing the whole season, and Tavon Young playing the slot, and, and we got Humphrey. So I'm, I'm looking forward to a lot more victories. Those close games, I'm looking forward to winning them. Instead of losing them, the defense will be better. Another thing when it comes to close games that can make or break a team uh, is the coaching. John Harbaugh has the Super Bowl ring, but we started off this conversation talking about how he might be on a little bit of a hot seat. What are your opinions on John Harbaugh? There's a there's a there's a um there's a couple of there's a couple of clock management like the, uh, a couple of plays that were questionable. You know the risk in games he he picked a kicker. He takes a kick, and Tucker go throws a pass. Where obviously, you know, from the beginning, the play wasn't going to work. And there's a couple of clock management games, and I remember the Eagles game. We up on the Eagles, and I think the Eagles need a touchdown to win. And we drive on the second yard, and we drive on the third or fourth yard. The the, the clock is our friend. We don't have, we don't need enough screen. The clock is our friend. One of them calls a pass, and Tucker throws the uh, interception, and almost runs it down to the field, and the Eagles almost beat it. They call it. Like that, like I said, the coach listened to the play call, I assume. And you think he would have said, wait a minute, the clock is up front. We 
we get a field goal, we're going to win the game. But, yes, I, I think there's some questionable play, play calling, and I think he will admit, uh, you know, some of the play calling he's made, some of the, some of the clock management issues. But, like I said, I think it's a critical year for him and Ozzy. So. How, how much goodwill do, do they have from the, uh, the Super Bowl? As a fan base, you know, if, if you win a Super Bowl for, say, uh, say John Harbaugh's coaching your division for the Browns, he wins a Super Bowl, he could be the coach for the Browns for the rest of his life, and they would never fire him because he brought him that Super Bowl. How much time does he get as the Ravens head coach, uh, you know, off of being a guy that got him a ring? Well, I have a rule as a fan. Mm-hmm. When I talk to fans around the country, don't talk about the Super Bowl. It's not you have a five-year window to talk about the last Super Bowl. Right? Talk to fans. You have a five-year window. If the team ain't won a Super Bowl in five years, then you can't use it as a reference point. So my thing is, you know, this, this is the key year. What uh, 2012? This is probably the key year for him to win. And I think if we don't make the playoffs, I think it's going to be a, you know, it, it's going to be a not so good situation. But five years is to me. Because we have expectations. If you're in, if you're in Jacksonville, you, you know you that's a that, there's certain there's certain franchises that accept that. I mean, eight and eight is kind of uh-huh. the only one accept another eight and eight season here. Um, and that goes for Ozzy as well. Ozzy Newsom has been a been a guy that's almost synonymous with Baltimore Ravens football. You're thinking he needs to start worrying about you know making sure they win this year as well. Yes, well, I, I kind of think that Ozzy might. Because, you know, DaCosta is the assistant GM, and they're almost paying him like a GM because he's been offered jobs before. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been offered jobs before as a GM. So I think he's the GM in the waiting. And I think this might be Ozzy's last year. I, nobody's ever told me that, but I've got a feeling this might be Ozzy's last year. And uh, DaCosta might, especially because he's late, I think Ozzy might just retire and let, let um, DaCosta take over. Okay, so, so that means the... Uh, a lot of the decisions coming up in the next 12, 18 months for the Ravens are going to come from the, the the top, 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 Steve Bashotti. What are your opinions on the owner? Because I, I have some questions about him. What, what do you mean? Well, he's a, um, you know, he's a, well, one thing, he's a self-made millionaire. He's from Baltimore. And he's used to winning. Yeah. And he's and he's not, he's not above firing a coach. They got two years left on the contract. I think Billick had about two years. He's, he's not above firing a coach. In other words, how many years he got left on the contract? Won't be any decision. If he thinks the if he thinks Harbaugh that took this team flies it can go and we go another eight and eight, I think the owner won't accept that because you know fan base won't accept it. But I think he won't accept another non-playoff or another you know 500 season because that's just the way he is. He's not you know he's not in a rebuilding mode. You know he's just not his way. He's in a win now mode, and every year he picks up to be in the playoffs. So if if we don't make it, I think you know like I said, I think he's the type of guy that's it's time for a change. And if he's got to eat a contract, he will eat a contract. When, when I look at all of the owners in sports, I think he, he's near the top. He's got the championships. He's got a little bit, right. got a little bit of uh, swag or whatever you want to call it with right. the cigars. He seems to, until he, he pulls the plug, he seems to let executives and coaches do his jobs, which I think is an important part of being an owner. Um, but he's, he's, right. never, he's never mentioned when, you know, the Robert Krafts and the Jerry Joneses and the, right. the other big-time uh, famous known for being a good owner owners are mentioned. Why does right. he get talked about more? Well, he's a – you know who you know he won you know he, he the pattern in that franchise after? Who do you think? The Steelers. Okay, that makes sense. You're not, you're not Steelers. Don't overturn coaches. Mm-hmm. 
you know, they keep a long time. I think he, I think he's he's that type of guy that he doesn't want to turn over coaches every four or five years. But I think he'll reach a point, you know, because I think uh, how about maybe going eight years? I think eight or nine years. And I think uh, I think ten years for NFL coach is a long time. But I think you know he he, he doesn't even mention. I think he was in the. And all of us, he was in the top ten. And I think Harbaugh was in the top ten coaches for whatever that's worth. But no, he doesn't get mixed with the with the Robert Kraft and Jerry Jones, and, and and a lot of it got to do with the you know Dallas's American teams and like uh, you know when the last time Dallas won the playoffs uh-huh. and like uh, you know Rex, Rex Ryan the New York Jets, he was on ESPN. Well, what does he want? Why is he on, why are you talking about the Jets all the time? What does he want? You know what I mean? We was in Buffalo. But, yeah, see, he's a, he's a good owner, and he's, you know, if he's in the second tier of owners, that's fine with me. I don't, uh, you know, I don't really, as long as you win as a fan, I don't, you know, I don't really care if you're on TV. And, you know, Robert Kraft, Robert Kraft and Jerry Jones are kind of the old group mm-hmm. and, and, uh, you know, and relatively, but, you know, besides he's kind of a new owner, and I think a lot of new owners are more handoff. But, you know, he's a, he's a good owner. I'm glad we got him. I think we're lucky, and he's a, he's a Baltimore bread, and he's a, He's a patient guy to an extent, but he he won't accept some of records around some of these franchises. He 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 won't accept that thing next time, and I think this is the critical year. But he he's a good owner. What does it mean to you when you hear that that he's he's basing it off the Steelers? How how deep is that rivalry? I've been to Baltimore. I know that the Ravens and the Steelers don't necessarily get along. They respect each other, but it's a rivalry. Right. How how deep is that rivalry? And and how does it make you feel that you're some at least some of your recent success was patterned off of, of their strategies? Well, every game for the Steelers is going to be three to five points. We know that, and they know it. That's why we always on national TV against the Steelers. They know it, and we know it. They don't but there's a healthy respect between us, but they don't like us, we don't like them. But there's respect. And for Robbie B, both teams have to win. You know, those times when they were winning, we were winning. They've been winning lately. But for the true Robbie, they have to win. When they come into Raven Stadium or we go up to that stadium, it's going to be a tough fight. And, and when the players come in, I tell them, there's two, there's two games you got to win. you got to beat the Steelers. The rookies were the first. You know, I talked to one of them, but the next one I see, I'm saying, hey, we have to beat the Steelers, but it's a true robbery. It's it's I only got thrown almost got thrown out of two games at MIT Bank Stadium. They were stealing games, so it's a it's a passion, help, respect. They were never team. They got a good coach. You know they have a, they have a swag about them. But so do we. And we you know we don't back down from them, and they don't back down to us. So it's a it's a good healthy robbery, and I love because I know the game is going to be close. How valuable is a sweep of the Steelers to the fan base? You always hear um, in, in other rivalries, uh, for example, you hear like the, the Red Sox-Yankees. You can lose the rest of your games, but if you sweep the Yankees, the fans will love you. If, if you play poorly against the, the, whatever, the Jaguars, who cares? But if you beat the Steelers, the fans will love you. How valuable is it in, to, in solidifying a player's legend or solidifying themselves as a, a Ravens True player is it to play play well against the Steelers? Yeah, that is exactly right. You know, sometimes, uh, sometimes uh, yeah, we went to play out one year we beat the Steelers twice. So I, we hung our hat on. Well, at least we beat the Steelers twice. Uh-huh. So that's a very important for our fan base. And you know, you have, you have to ask the Steelers fan, but I'm quite sure that it's very important that we beat the Steelers. From a young fan, it's hey, we need to beat the Steelers. But it's very important. 
You know, we're not going to the playoffs. Well, let's see if we can make sure the Steelers don't go to the playoffs. Or let's make sure we beat them. It's a, it's a, it's a passionate rivalry. It's a, it's a, it's a heated rivalry, and I love it. But it's important for us that we beat, that we sweep the Steelers, and I'm quite sure because normally when we play the Steelers, it's, it's normally for something. It normally is, uh, you know, for playoff opposition. So it's very important that we beat nobody. We might win four games, but let two of them beat the Steelers. So that's, that's very important for me. And we have a healthy respect. I think, which is the most important. I respect their fan base, and because they're they're they they have a good, healthy fan base. Still, fans travel well, and and I can acknowledge that, and I can accept that fact. And we slowly get our fan base up pretty good. How how do, how is your interaction with other fans? Uh, on this podcast, we had a a Giants fan that went into Philly wearing his Giants gear, and he dealt with with some stuff. Obviously. With with your army pants and, and your captain defense, you're going to be noticed uh, right. amongst other fan bases. Have you had any interesting experiences, maybe with a Steelers fan or uh, of any other fan base? Well, I went into uh, you know I've been to, I've been to Seattle, I've been to Minnesota, I've been to Jacksonville, I've been to Miami, I've been to Pittsburgh, and I, I went to Philly for X-Big, X X uh, and then a certain amount of harassment you expect because if you're not tough skin, if you're not tough skin, you shouldn't dress like this. But you know, you can say, basically say what you want. But you know, as long as you don't put your hands on me, and, I, and I'm pretty, I don't, I don't. When I go in somebody's stadium, when I go in Pittsburgh, I'm a guest. You know, I cheer for my team, but I don't get in people's face. I don't. That's just not me. When I go to, I'm a guest in your stadium, but I will cheer for my team. I don't be pointing to the scoreboard. That's just not me. But yeah, I, I get that. You know, I was in, uh, I went to one stadium, I won't mention it, <laughs> where the guy wanted to get in my face. He threatened to, you know, beat me up. It was really threatened. Yeah. But I, I, I have a situation because I ignore him, right? And, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a big drinker, so I'm not, you know, I'm pretty sober. But I realize that alcohol changes people judging it. But, but people have, you know, said stuff to me. But it hasn't been, it hasn't been really terrible. You know, it's it's been okay. It's, you know, I'm at the Steelers, and they say what they say. And, but that's okay. I, I haven't really had any. You know, nobody's never put their hands on the people that threaten them. But, but, but that's okay. I, I, there's certain kind of stuff I expect when I go into somebody's stadium. But I, I, I look at myself as a guest, and I have to call you. I don't be, you know, talking trash and you know, not unless you started. But uh, I haven't had too many problems. I, I'm pretty fortunate. Okay, we're near. We're nearing the end of the podcast here. And one thing we like to do. Um, obviously, you've proven your fandom. You are a, a super fan of the Ravens here, and you've you've proven it with your knowledge here today. But we give you one last trivia question to end the show to give you one more chance to prove you're a super fan. Are you down? Oh man, I wasn't prepared for this, but <laughs> Yeah, we, we we like to kind of spring it on you, so so you can't uh, can't have Google up in front of you. It's uh, right. and, and and most don't get it right. I try to stump them pretty good, but if you do, that's impressive. So uh, when you won the Super Bowl most recently, obviously it was the, the dramatic win with the, the power outage in San Francisco or against San Francisco. My question is, what was the final score of the conference championship game when you beat the Patriots? Oh, my God. We'll give it to you if you're close. Uh, uh. 31-28. It was actually more of a uh, more of a handy victory. It was 28-13 Ravens, uh, but it was a good guess. I would have expected it to be closer too. When I thought back to it, it was uh, much closer. Oh, that's, that's right. Yeah, we played them. T- yeah, we we played them tough. Yeah, yeah. We 
enjoy when uh, when my man, yeah, who played a tough that game, so that was my fault. But anyway, well, thank you for the trivia. Now I will never forget that question <laughs> if it comes up on the trivia. Thank you. Yeah, had had two two Anquan Bolden touchdowns, and that ended up being the difference. Thank you for coming on. Right, really appreciated it. Really enjoyed your insight, and uh, good luck to the Ravens. Okay, thank you very much. You have a good evening. Thank you.